0: But not all water represents life, does it? Some waters are scary. I mean, how, how secure do you feel in one of those brown watered ponds where you stick your foot in that mud and it is the grossest thing and you don't know what you're... I remember, there's, not all water feels safe. I was at the beach when we went to Galveston two years ago and I stepped on a crab. It pinched me. That's not what I want out of my beach vacation, Right? Water's not always a life-giving uh, symbol. It is, it is here in this when it's in this tub and when it's contained, but so much of water is not controllable. So much of water represents um, doom and death and chaos. Think about flooding, mass flooding that can go on, torrential downpours, mudslides. Think about tsunamis and the destruction that tsunamis can, can wreak havoc on. Water is a really big symbol. And it's great when it can represent life and peace like this, but it doesn't always represent life and peace. Sometimes it represents chaos and destruction. We used to take students, we used to take this adventure trip to Colorado. We went to a place um, and we would do a one-day full whitewater raft, we would do a one-day uh, rock climb and repel, and we would do a three-day backpack, okay, out in the wilderness, full, fully out there, full send. And the whitewater rafting was always my favorite, and it was always what we got to start with at the very beginning. It was the first experience that any of the teenagers we took out there got to experience anything. And it was always a super unique experience, because you had some kids that were terrified, right? Because you have to wear a full wetsuit and a helmet, and some kids are just like, let's go! Let's rip, you know? The first year we went, we had a kid fall out like full, full fallout. Like we were, uh, this kid's, his name was, his name's Andy. Actually, we did their wedding like a couple years ago. He lives in Kansas now. Andy, Andy, uh, we were riding this raft and we're going down. And the thing about whitewater rafting that I think is as unique is it is so easy to get lulled into like a false sense of security, even though you know it's whitewater rafting, because you start off really gentle, right? Like, they, they ramp you up, right? Like, it's not something where it's like, we're just going to kick you out in the middle of the biggest rapids. It's like, you start off, and it's like calm, right? Your entry point, right? You're all wetsuited up, and you got your helmet on, you got your life jacket on, and you just kind of get going, right? You've got a paddle, right? You've got a guide. I mean, that's what you pay for, right? Like, you get, you get, you're paying for a guide who's done this hundreds of times. You know what they have to make the guides do on the guide experience? To become a guide, we're at the Browns, uh, Browns Canyon. Uh, they make the guides go down the whole river just in a life jacket. Just to know what to do, what to do if you fall in, where to go, where the rapids are, right? So you feel kind of safe in a sense, or at least I always did, you know, because it's like, we're paying hundreds of dollars for this. They're not, you know, like, but you, but you did sign a waiver. <laughs> Don't forget that, you did sign a waiver to get into this life raft and on this boat. So the thing is about the Whitewater Rapids, you get on it, it's super fun, and you're having a blast, you're with your buddies, and you start off a little bit scared, but then you kind of like settle in. You get the hang of it, you get where to put your foot to keep you secure, you're having a good time, and then the waters and the rapids start to get a little more challenging and a little more difficult. But you're scaling up at such a pace, you kind of feel like, oh, this is no big deal at all. Well, the year that Andy fell out was a high water year, so lots of volume. Think about lots of volume. And when you constrict volume, what does it do? It speeds up. It goes faster. It hits things harder. And so we got to the point in the river where there was a water feature that they called Seidel's Suckhole. Hole. <laughs> Seidel's Suck hole was a thing where they actually was, this, the river, if you want to think about it, it started up here at an elevation and then it did kind of like a whip turn around. All right. So it kind of went down to the left and then whipped around and there was a rock and there would be an eddy. And it didn't create like a full blown scary whirlpool, but it created an eddy where you could get sucked into and then you couldn't get the raft back out. And there's a lot of water going. And so you have to hit this thing hard and fast to get through it so that you don't get caught and your raft doesn't get wrapped around the big rock that's right in the middle. you got to go left, go right don't go to the middle, okay? <laughs> like, that's the one thing. Don't go to the middle. Get through it as fast as you can. And so, as we're going through it, I think I was in one of the last rafts. We probably had like three rafts full of about 18, eight people each. We're on the last one to go down, and we, I see it happen. I see it as it happens, you know? They go down this into Seidel's suck hole. They don't hit it right, and they kind of pivot and kind of, and they got to fight and they got to fight and they got to fight. And I don't know exactly how it happened, if it was the next raft that hit it or not, but Andy just goes, whoop, and he just falls in, into the raft. And then we go down and, and there's this moment where it's like, that just happened. Like, I'm not supposed to let that happen. I'm, I'm the leader of this trip. I'm not supposed to lose kids under the water. Like, that's, that's not supposed, that's not, but, but it but signed a waiver. That's great, okay, so. <laughs> And the best part, I don't know, to get them out, this is where it gets kind of like tricky. Do you, to, they teach you in the, in the course, like as you're getting ready to go on, how to get them out. Because it's ho- like, they're he Andy was as big as I was. He, was. he was a strapping young lad at that point in his life. He was a senior in high school, right? So you actually, as they're in the water, and he sees me, we're coming through, I'm on my raft. He's swimming towards me. He's swimming towards me. He grabs the side. What you have to do is you actually grab the child by the jacket, and you push him under so that you can get a little bit of buoyancy from the life jacket to help pull him back up. So it's like, this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me, buddy. <laughs> Whoosh! Not unlike this. And you dunk him down, and you pull him back up, and he falls on top of me. And you know the first thing he does is? He burps right in my face because he <laughs> swallows so much water. Just like the deepest like gut belch experience. Just letting all that air and water he sucked in, right, come up right on me like... All right, I didn't need that. I didn't even know another kid had fallen out too. By the end, There was another kid that had fallen in the water and he lost a boot and we never found it on that trip. That was the first year we went. The last year we went, there was a, a full-blown gully washer as we were rafting this river. So we're rafting this river. We're actually getting to the end. We've already blown past Side El Suck Hole at this point and we're just kind of trying to get to the end of our rafting experience, get to where the bus is, you know, that's going to let us to take us back home and somewhere in the vicinity, there was enough of a downpour into a gully that it literally blew out whatever was holding it back. And so all of a sudden, the river itself went from clear to muddy brown, and it raised, like, our ra- like it raised a foot of water because all this water had been pouring down somewhere in a mountain, some down in a valley in this gully, and it was dammed up with trash. And all of a sudden, there was enough pressure finally that it burst into our river, made it muddy, and I saw a TV float by me, a full-blown tube TV, you know, not a flat screen, you know, it's like full-blown, I don't know if this has been in there since the 80s or not, but like this thing, a TV floats by me, and I'm like, and like the guide's like freaking out, and I'm like, if he's freaking out, that's not good, you know, that's not good. See, it's very easy, I think, um, in circumstances to get lulled into a sense of safety where you think you've got it figured out. You think you've got everything in control. And all it takes is is just a moment of of getting knocked off balance, right? Just the the right moment, a second of being off balance, Uh, an unseen bump in the water underneath you, a wave that you didn't expect to knock you out and make you realize like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm pretty foolish. <laughs> I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I had my boat all strong and, and put together. I thought I, know how, I knew how to raft this rapid, but I really, really don't. We're in this series called Resilient, where we're, we're just kind of reflecting uh, uh, over the past couple years and what it takes um, to get through the tougher stuff in life, what it takes to get through the rapids of life. I know 2020 was a big wave <laughs> for a lot of us. There were a lot of people that got knocked out of their raft, that got knocked out of their boat, or at least felt the, the terror and the anxiety of not knowing if the boat they had built would be enough to get them through that wave. I know for me, like, we didn't even meet for months here. <laughs> so, you know, like, this gathering, this whole place was, like, shut down. That made me feel like I was going to fall out of my boat. It's like my livelihood depends on this. I'm trying to think, am I going to have a job here? Is this pandemic ever going to end? Are we ever going to get, like, what's going to happen? See, I built, I know for me, and I know you got to be like this too a little bit at least, like, we're boat builders, you and I. We're boat builders. We take whatever resources are most available to us, maybe external resources or just internal resources, and and we build a boat, we lash together what we can to try and surf these storms of life, to just stay in. That becomes the goal, I think, for so many of us that are tired, that are worn out, um, that have experienced um, just, just weariness in life. It's like, how do I just keep things together just enough so that I don't fall out of my boat? What kind of boat have you built to keep your life afloat? What kind of resources do you rely on to give you a sense of security? Like you can make it in this world. As long as I have fill in the blank. I know, I know there's got to be a boat that you put your faith in. Something that you rely on. When times get tough, what is that? I know for a lot of us, you know, it could be um, our financial resources. If you want to think about building a boat and putting together something that's going to keep us afloat during the the ups and downs and the rapids of life, maybe it is the financial resources. Maybe it is as long as I have X amount in my bank account, I'll be able to create a buffer between me and tragedy. Or. I'll be able to create the kinds of experiences, the kinds of comfort I'll be able to provide enough to make life feel good enough that I won't really have to deal with the anxieties of this world. And I'll just shove all those feelings really deep. Maybe the boat you have built that you've kind of put your soul into, maybe that comes from like just your own personal competence I know for a lot of us, our careers become our boats. We find a way to take a skill or a talent we have and turn it into a job. Now, I'm not saying, like, making a lot of money. All right, I'm just saying, like, you feel good about what you do. You feel very competent in what you can do. I can do this really, really, really well, and that makes me feel good. And so as long as I can keep doing this, I'll have enough to get through life. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be okay. Relationships. Relationships can be a boat that we put ourselves into. As long as I have this person, or if I can find this person to give me the affirmation that I, that I feel like I need in this life, then I'll be okay. Then I'll, then, I'll, then I'll stay afloat in this world. As long as I have, fill in the blank. We all do it. What you need to hear, but don't want to hear, is this. Is your boat needs to be threatened at some point in your life. Your boat needs to be put into peril at some point in your life. Because the boats we build can never hold the weight of our souls and you're going to crush yourself or you're going to crush others if you expect them or expect it to hold the weight of all that God made you to be we have to learn unfortunately I wish there was an easier way guys I wish I could come up here with like flowers and cupcakes and be like oh it's all gonna be fine just trust in Jesus your life's gonna be great no, you're just going to have really sucky things happen to you. That's the part, that's life. And so we have to be taught, mostly the hard way, that the boats we build cannot support the weight of our souls, the weight of our hopes, the weight of our dreams. We have to be taught like the disciples were in Mark 4, 35 through 41. I want to read this passage And take a look at what they had to learn so that maybe, maybe we can learn a little bit sooner in our lives where to put our faith, where to put our hope. So in Mark 4, 35 through 41, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, all other, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up and high waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. I feel like the most remarkable part of that story, there's there's a few things that we could consider like the most remarkable. There's a few things that happened in that story that we might think are the most remarkable part of that story. One could be that Jesus spoke and the winds and the waves were immediately calm. As calm as this water is right here. We could think that that's the most remarkable part of the story. That Jesus, who had done some healings, had brought his teaching to the world, He spoke, he rebuked, he basically said, Shut up, waves. And they shut up. That could be the most remarkable part of the story. Um, Or the most remarkable part of the story to you could be that Jesus was taking a nap. (laughs) Like, come on, man. I don't, that feels so unreal to me to read that. It feels so unreal to hear about these disciples, like basically, I can't imagine, has anybody bailed water out of a boat before that's sinking? Please raise your hand, please raise your hand, I want to know who you are. I have never had to do that. I don't want to ever have to do that. I was just reading in the news the other day about a ferry in Jamaica that like went down or something, and, like people were like swimming, like that sounds really scary. I don't want that in my life, I don't need that in my life. And Jesus was taking a nap I don't get that. So that could be the most remarkable part of the story for you. But here's what I think is the most remarkable part of the story. That the disciples were more scared of Jesus after he silenced the wind and the waves than they were before. Now, they were concerned, right? As concerned as we ought to be if we're in a boat that looks like it's getting ready to capsize. But what does Mark say the state of their hearts were? after he saved them. He says they were absolutely terrified. How is it that the disciples were more scared of Jesus after he saved them than before? I think, I think that that event moved them. It moved them from being uh, uh, people who knew about Jesus' power to being people who knew Jesus' power and experienced it personally. And there's a real big difference. It might be the difference that you need. Because you might be just like these disciples in here today, where you feel like you know about Jesus, and you know about his power. You've seen it in other people's lives. You've seen him interact, and you see and you look but you've not been a person who's experienced his power in your life. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus, knowing the stories, going to church, attending spiritual or religious things, and actually hearing him speak to you and move in the depths of your inner being. I think that's what terrified the disciples, as I think they were having to recognize that they thought they knew who Jesus was, but they only knew about him. They knew about the healings he did, they knew about his teachings, but they had never really been in their own personal peril before. And they had yet to feel Jesus save them at the most basic and personal level. They needed their boat to be in real danger. They didn't need to just hear about it. They needed to experience it, and that's what you need. It sucks. We wish we could build our boats and have them carry us merrily down the stream. (laughs) But we don't learn that way, do we? (laughs) See, there's not a created thing in this world that can hold the weight of your soul. And there's only one water that exists that won't drown you. And it's the water of Jesus. The water of his baptism. He's the only boat that's not going to turn over on you and hold you under. He's the only water that's going to bring you life, not death. And so for you and I, what does it mean to know Jesus, not just know about him? It means to move forward in life, not putting our hopes and our dreams and the weights of our souls in created things. It means confessing and admitting that our jobs can't save us, our careers can't save us. no matter how good we feel about what we do, no matter what kind of promotions we get, no matter what kind of salary comes back to our bank accounts, that's not going to really save us. Because jobs can change, right? Anybody lost a job in the past 12 months? Yeah. Sucks, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just like jobs change, relationships, right? Who's broken up in the past 12 months? Anybody? Yeah, it happens, right? Like, there's not a person or a thing or a job that can save that most inner part of who you are. That is reserved for Jesus. That's what we are created for. He's where we put our faith. That's why he say, "Where's your?" What's he say to him, right? What's he say to him? Where's your faith? Where did it go is another translation of it. Where did your faith go? I know you have it. I know you have a faith. Where did you put it? That's what he's asking. Where did you put it? You've put it somewhere. Can you put it in the right thing? The thing that won't disappoint you, no matter how freaking rocky the rapids get. My advice? Throw yourself into this water before another water takes you under. Because this is the only water that's going to bring you life again and again and again and again. And so response today. How could you respond today? One thing you could do, sign up for the next baptism class. We are always going to be doing this. You know. So talk to Sean Hoflicker. He was the one in here a lot. You saw Sean. Go say, Sean, I don't know what God's doing in my life. I don't know why, but I really feel like I need to move from knowing about Jesus to knowing Jesus. Put me on your list. I want to be there for the next baptism course or the next Exploring Jesus course. I need to be there because I've got to move from just knowing about him to actually knowing him. So sign up with Sean. I I think for some of us, we might just need to sit here and we're going to show a video, we're going to have like a, a, a couple, two or three minute video, and then we're going to have a last song. You just might need to reflect and think about what is that boat that I'm putting way too much of my faith in right now? What is that for me? Because there's going to be a wave that knocks you out of it. There's always going to be a wave that knocks us out of our boats. And so we might just need to confess, we might, not, we might just need to be aware, we might just need to spend a few minutes identifying, like, what is it? What is it I'm putting too much faith in right now that's not Jesus? Another response you could do is we have communion set up today. So, so at this table here, this table over here, up in the balcony, communion elements. Communion was a sacred act left by Jesus for those who, who confessed that he's the living water, that he's the only boat that can take us from this life into the next and make it. And on the night he was betrayed in Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20, we're given it. We're given what communion is. And Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This is the cup of my new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice to you. What Jesus does for us is he he goes down into the water. (laughs) He goes down into the spiritual depths of depth so that we can rise from it in spiritual life. Jesus offers himself, he stands between us and God, and he says, God, my heavenly Father, please don't count their sins against them, please count their sins against me. And that's what the sacrifice of Jesus is all about, is that we put all of our failures, all of our flaws, all the things we're ashamed of, all of our guilt, and we say, Jesus, you take it, because I can't, I just can't carry it anymore. And that's what the cross is. That's what it means. And Jesus left us the act of communion to celebrate him taking our spot before a perfect Holy Father so that our sins aren't counted against us. Our sins are counted against him. And that's the greatest freedom you're going to ever know. So if you want that freedom, you've got to ask for it. He's not going to force it on you. You have to say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to take my sins off of me and put them onto yourself so that I can live free in this world knowing that you're the boat that's never going to fail me. And so I'm going to invite you to pray right now and to reflect, reflect on if you need need to take a step in any kind of direction and just listen to whatever it is God may be saying to you. We're going to do the video. We're going to do the song. Please feel free to take communion and then we'll end. So Father God, I just want to Ask you to to be present to all of us in this moment. There are people here today (coughs) that have recently been knocked out of their boat. They feel like they're thrashing, they feel like they've been sucked under the water, they feel like they are gasping for breath and they don't know how or if they're gonna surface. Reach down into them right now, Father. Reach down to them, grab them, and pull them to the surface, Father. There's gonna be people in here who are living for what looks like mostly a pretty blessed life. Things are going pretty good right now, not a lot of complaints. Father, don't let them get lulled into a sense of security. We're not asking that you make them anxious by any means. But we're just saying, let us be thankful. Let us be thankful for the goodness that you're blessing in this life and express gratitude for right now. But at the same time, know all of those good things that are making them happy, they're they're not going to last. Everything breaks down in this world. Everything except a relationship with you. And I'm just praying right now that all of us, whether we're in, in the, the smooth calm or the, or the turbulent rapids, that we would know you and not just know about you. It's your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.